Hey guys, here's something new we'd like to try. We'd like to learn a little bit more about our podcast listeners in order to have better conversations and just find out exactly what you're interested in listening to. And as a reward, we'll give you your own pair of boxes and lined socks, which are very soft and cozy, by the way. I wear them all the time. Just go to the website custom.sockclub.com slash IEX and fill out a very short survey and get your own pair of socks mailed straight to you while supplies last. And they're also free. Again, it's custom.sockclub.com slash IEX. Also, when you do get your lovely socks, tag us in your sock selfies on Twitter and Instagram at IEX. Thanks, guys, and thanks, as always, for listening. Welcome, everybody, to the latest installment of Boxes and Lines. Boxes and Lines. There he goes. We have a special, special guest here, a guest that we have wanted on for a while. It's Mr. Tim Quast from Modern IR. We're up in our game. We're, we're getting, you know, game. we're into modern IR now. This man was recently on CNBC. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, now you're he's on our podcast. definitely better than most of our podcasts. And it's uh, not been, has not been invited back. Uh, well, yeah. it, it was like something like three in the morning your time i saw that interview <laughs> the, the the what did you how did you describe it i've been using that ronan is the now infam, infamous middle of the night cnbc yeah yeah I, I god bless you i i couldn't have done it <laughs> and everyone we've known tim for a number of years especially when iex was involved in the listings business obviously modern ir has ties to investor relations and Tim is one of those guys who we saw at many conferences, and he's one of those guys that I always appreciate that is willing to speak up and ask questions or just speak up and make comments against people who are moderating panels, which is, which is always welcome because a lot of these industry panels we go to, it's a whole lot of just quietness from the audience. So I always appreciate that about Tim, and it's sort of how I met him. And maybe sometimes I would give him a plant question to help me out, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So Tim, for the, for the audience here, we, we have people in the trading business, people, you know, non-trading who listen to this, God bless them. Could you explain, you know, what Modern IR is, how you came to found it, maybe a little bit about your background, and then we have some questions around trading, COVID, IR, IR and trading, and a, a bunch of transitions like that. Yeah, so, uh, so I got degrees in English and theology, and of course, then spent the next 25 years in the capital market, so... Uh, <laughs> We're all the same I, way. I say, <laughs> so, so investor relations for the traders who don't know, and probably most of them do, IR does not stand for infrared. It's uh, investor relations. And we think of that as the liaison between the Wall Street community and uh, the executives and board of the public company. So it's, you know, it's the party that's responsible for positioning the story in the market, but it's become a lot more than that thanks to market structure. So our piece of the puzzle is in, you know, if you broadly looked at the things that public companies will do to support their efforts to raise capital, they're going to uh, communicate things to the street. They're going to gather information from investors and they're going to measure the data associated with that process. And so our piece of the puzzle, we're the only quantitative provider of equity market data to U.S. listed companies. And we're, we're now the third largest provider of what you call market intelligence. We're and hence the, the modern IR moniker. Rather that is than the modern. Yes. We, did, yes. we didn't the call modern. ourselves a legacy IR. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> 
Yes. So that's what we do. We provide uh, behavioral views of what's driving price and volume. So if you want to know, well, what percentage of my volume during these index rebalances that occurred last week and that are concluding, in fact, there's a bunch of it today, Yes, spills over, we can tell you. We can tell you whether it's up or down. Does it reflect a, a decline in the amount of money that's benchmarked to indices versus what happened last time? We can tell you what percentage of the market's volume is being driven by, let's say, high-speed traders, high-frequency traders. We refer to them as fast traders. 55% of the uh, S&P 500 right now is uh, is Wow, and is trading. that, by your calculation, is that higher than it's been before? Well, in the, in the, and you know this too, but if you go back to 2008 and nine, it topped 70%. And uh, then it became very competitive because- yep. The bulge bracket got good at competing with the machines that were out cashing coupons, as we called it. You know, it's that if you brought a coupon into the store, you'd get a discount. And we described high-frequency trading as the people who figured out how to cash all the coupons. Wildly profitable for the, the uh, get-cos of the world, whom we first found out was Octag. Well, who's the, who are these guys called Octag? There's not even a phone number to reach them, you know, and you think, well, a broker would want to be found. Why doesn't this broker want to be found? Anyway, you come forward now, it's picked up. In the period of the pandemic, it's up 20%, I would say. And it's come principally at the expense, interestingly, of trading in, in passive vehicles, which we think of as index funds, very small part of the order flow, quantitative funds, very meaningful part and exchange-traded funds. A lot of that's arbitrage. And, and at the expense of the share of volume coming from derivatives, believe it or not. So yeah, I don't know like, if you I see mean, the same thing. Yeah, no, we, we do. And what, what I noticed um, you know, over the, the couple of years we were involved with the IR community, and again, this is no knock on that community whatsoever, but I noticed them get more and more progressive, uh, whether it was sell-side people leaving the sell-side and moving over to the IR community. There was, there was more Bloombergs in use. There was more analytics and a real, a real interest in market structure. Who's trading my name? Why are they trading my name? And I think it probably comes down from you know, the CEO, the CFO asking the IR, who the heck's trading my name? Why is the right. turnover so high? Those type of questions. So you said last week was the Russell rebalance. So you got yeah. questions around that. What are the sort of general topics that IR seem to care most about? Is it who's trading my name? Is it, do they specifically come to you on a day when their stock spikes one way or the other and there's no material news or is it any and all? Well, the, the biggest single thing is how come my stock's behaving differently from my peers? Uh, this is the, <laughs> the yeah. you know, my peers are up and I'm down. Why? This is the age old question. And uh, what you used to do, and a lot of people still do, is you start calling people. This is what the, you know, and I tease our profession about it. Here we live in the age of uh, nanosecond uh, trade pings and confirmations, microsecond trades. You can send information in, uh, you will know best, milliseconds from Chicago to New York. Maybe it's less than that. And, and then here are IR people picking up the phone to call the exchange and ask, hey, how come my stock's down and my peers are up? And uh, it's the vexing question. And another piece that has contributed to, I think, the increase in, and we've got a ways to go. 
I, but I'm finding a sea change is finally developing, only took 15 years, is, is the decline in the reliability of what we would call settlement data. So you're familiar with the Depository Trust and Clearing Court. Well, I yep. certainly am. I don't know if Ronan knows what that is, but I, yes. I'm, I'm just Googling it right now. Yeah. Okay, got it. <laughs> okay, right. yeah. so, so it used to be that's what the IR people would rely on to understand who'd been buying and selling. And because there are only four depository banks left today, it used to be hundreds. When I started in this profession in 1995, there were hundreds of them. And so you could use uh, services that would say, well, over here in these accounts that have six and a half million shares in them, and we looked at the 13F that came out uh, last quarter, and oh, son of a gun, Fidelity has six and a half million shares. Well, it looks like those accounts went down 500,000 shares. And over here at this uh, set of accounts that have 7.8 million shares. And look at that. T. Rowe Price has 7.8 million shares. That went up by 500,000 shares. So you could conclude that Fidelity sold to T. Rowe Price. Well, that's vanished. Only about 5% of trading volume is even showing up in the settlement data anymore. There are reasons for that. But a big part of it is if all of the custodial accounts are at the same depository bank, how are you going to see the change? Yep. And so we have been able to, instead of looking at where things end, we look at where they begin, which is in the market. And under Reagan MS, as you know, uh, Regulation National Market System, the, every dollar is going to get intermediated in one way or another so that FINRA can have a, a, an audit trail uh, of sorts. They're going to regulate the broker-dealer side. Then you have the SEC regulating the exchange, and everything will be intermediated. So we measure the intermediation. And that will enable us to see 100% of the volume. It doesn't mean we see it perfectly. I think of it like metadata. We can see where things are moving and how it is conforming to the rules of the marketplace. We don't know if it's Fidelity or T. Rowe Price. But if it's hanging out here over a particular, around a particular price and it's not trying to track the averages, it's probably not trying to peg a benchmark. It's probably right. active value money. And so that kind of stuff we can see. Yeah, and you don't know where that volume is being executed either. I mean, one of the things that we right, have uh, right. witnessed in recent weeks as well is that as the amount of retail and internalized volume has increased, you have these huge volume numbers, but the amount of accessible liquidity, especially to institutional investors, is a lot less than that. And you don't really know what, what is out there that's being reportable actually is accessible. Right. So, Tim, I, I have a question for you because you said it a couple of times as you were speaking about exchanges, right? So, never say never. IX is not a listings exchange just yet. But when you're talking to the IR community, they're basically, if, if public, obviously, either listed on New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ. How do you interact with the exchanges or how do IRs interact with the exchanges? And, and both to you or to IRs that you know, has that changed over the last number of years? And this, this is not meant as a slight mm -hmm. to our competitors whatsoever. This is right. a genuine question, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to give you a genuine answer, sort of. The, uh, so how we interact with the exchanges, we're, we have a pretty, I would say, reasonably cordial relationship. We clash with them like you do on occasion. We align with them on matters that affect the issuer community. We consume data from them. We buy data from the exchanges. So we're, we're exchange customers as well. The IR community interacts with the uh, exchanges in the same old way that they always have, in a sense. And uh, it's one of my criticisms. 
the, the exchanges could, could do a far better job of helping the IR community be informed constituents in the market. But as, as you, you know, I've always said, what are you paying them for? They're merchandising your product. Why would you yep. do that? <laughs> yeah. but, uh, We're believers in that too. But Right, yeah. right, right. The, what has changed lately is that the exchanges are increasingly focused on something. Like the NASDAQ has chosen to focus on passive money. And they've built a big product platform around that. And the NYSE has focused heavily on ESG and governance. So, so it's always something always some hand to get you away from how the market actually functions today. And I'm not saying it's necessarily entirely purposeful. I think it's a difficult. Oh, believe you know, me, it's purposeful. <laughs> it's, <laughs> look, it's a difficult job on one hand to serve uh, three different masters like the exchanges do. Yep. Uh, and you know how that is. It's, yep. uh, you, you're yeah. trying to please people who, ha- who at times have competing interests. And uh, that's not easy. Have, have the questions that you get or the challenges that you're aware that your constituents are dealing with, have they changed in recent weeks, months with the increased volatility, increased volume associated with the, this new crazy era that we're in? Yes. So here's, mm-hmm. my, here's the Molotov I will huck into one of them. I've got, I've got two, three Go more. for it. Yeah, yeah. We, so, love, we love so, Molotovs. Is that an alcohol drink? So, <laughs> it, it, what, before you light it on fire, it is. Okay. Yes. And so always take a drink first. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, so it's that it, it is impossible for anyone to ignore the fact that the market functions entirely separately from fundamentals. It has mm-hmm. never been so laid bare than during the era of the pandemic, because one day, well, look, Friday, you have, you have all of the talking heads saying, well, the market is way down because of the sudden increase, the second wave of coronavirus cases. Well, that seemed to worsen over the weekend, yet the market goes up 500 points. Right? Exactly. So it makes no that, sense. Right? Yeah. So, this, so it's become patently apparent to public companies that you cannot trust the reasons that are proffered. You can see the data, so can we. We can see how disconnected the data are from market form and function oftentimes. Sometimes passive money just runs over everything active in the market. And when it vanishes, the markets can tip over. And uh, we, we, we see both of those things around these periods of great volatility that we've had in the market. And that means, I assume, that if you're a corporate CEO or a CFO or other kind of corporate officer, you can't make any reasonable projections about what's going to happen to your stock price or, you know, kind of depending on general economic, you know, or even maybe even the performance of your own company. Exactly. I can give you a great case in point. So a customer of ours is a is a gas utility called Chesapeake Utilities. And uh, there's a famous energy company called Chesapeake Energy based in Oklahoma. What, why it's named Chesapeake in Oklahoma, different story. But, uh, <laughs> you know, filed for bankruptcy protection over the weekend. Well, their stock, Chesapeake Utilities, unrelated. It's on the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, it's an entirely different business. And it has been yanked around principally, interestingly, not by rational thought, but by machines, machines that read Chesapeake and just go spit orders. Isn't that response. true? That's crazy. Isn't that that is crazy. Right. Well, did you guys see that Zoom uh, Technologies and then Zoom, the actual ticker, is for a different company? And that, that, that rifled off because Zoom Technologies, like the, the, 
the conferencing system that we're using right now as, as, as we look at one another is a completely different ticker and sort of similar to that, right, Tim? Yes, right, yeah. right. Well, yep. that and Corona Beer has taken kind of a hit on its sales from what I understand. They like, they like <laughs> launched a big ad campaign, I noticed, to try to... It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. That one makes no sense to me. Yeah. Right. That's not even traded. But, yeah. there's the <laughs> right. same, but the same technology is you can get high-frequency traded at Amazon. Go buy something and the price changes. So the, the same technology that, that propagated in the U.S. equity market now is everywhere. You know, you get high-frequency traded. If you try, not, not now. No one's flying. But go try to make a plane reservation. It's, mm-hmm. So it's everywhere. Yeah. 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 That's actually funny. Back when I was building technology in the data centers, one of our data centers in New Jersey, we actually hosted a, I don't want to say their name, but it was like a software provider yeah. for low latency, basically seat assignments to the airline community. And based on how many times people look at seats, click on it, but don't buy it. And if it's the same IP coming back, and then they start to sort of understand that, yeah, you're looking to book a vacation. And then all of a sudden, like it pops. It's like, it's pretty crazy. There you crazy, go. crazy, crazy world. It hey, is. And you've so, seen the ugly underbelly of it all. What do you well, think, Tim, that, uh, sorry to cut you off there. I was just going to ask no. a question on, we, we always talk about what do like the IRs want to hear about market structure. But what, what do you think um, traders know about IRs or should know about IRs or how much are they interacting now versus many years ago? I'm not sure if you can answer that. <laughs> so what traders should know is that public companies are only beginning to figure out that market structure matters. But we're, we've, you know, there's some really important news that is that, that developed a couple of months ago, maybe a little longer than that, but I'm going to write about this. So I'll, you know, I'm breaking news on the, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah, exactly. So, dun, dun. so <laughs> So, so you know that the, the SEC, and uh, let me answer your question and then give you this tid- tidbit. So what traders should know is that most IR people have a limited understanding of market structure. However, they are learning to think about their liquidity. I mean, we talk about their liquidity a lot. There's this, this notion, which is entirely false, that somehow, unlike every other market in the world, where supply and demand constraints exist, that the equity market has an infinite supply of your stock available. And all you have to do is go tell your story to investors and they're <laughs> going to be able to buy it. And uh, to begin to wrap your head around the idea that most, most of our clients, which is a very representative group of the markets and the 11 sectors, and, and it's a big chunk from the, you know, from the Chevrons and Fords down to little biotechs, that uh, the average company in our client base does not even average 100 shares per trade anymore. Right. It's down to about 130 <laughs> shares in the S&P 500. That's skewed by, by a certain set of stocks. And yep. of course, it's skewed down too because of the, the Amazons and so on. But that's an issue where traders and IR people are making advances and could do better. It's what is really possible. We talk about this all the time. Look, if you trade $3,000 a, tr- a trade, if your average trade size is $3,000, how hard is it for money to get in and out? I traded 600 shares of GE and it got split into, I used an algorithm and it got split into seven trades. I've learned that you have to use marketable trades. I couldn't execute a hundred share trade of JPM. It got split into two trades, right? So no. if it's hard for me using my interactive brokers account, 
How much harder is mm -hmm. it going to be for T. Rowe Price with a massive amount of money to move? And IR people and traders could get on the same page. And then, of course, and to be clear, this podcast is not being sponsored by Interactive Brokers. So <laughs> just so we know that. Anymore. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. <laughs> oh, <all right. laughs> we love you guys. Yeah. <laughs> The, uh, and it's a great, there's a, so the, here's the key development that's occurring. So I got a call. Now I'm going to blatantly name drop on the podcast. So I got a call about a month ago from Brett Redfern, whom I know reasonably well, head of the uh, Division of Trading and Markets. And he said, Tim, I wanted you to know this. So I I'm picked up the phone and I'm calling you. And we have put in this revamp of the data plans as part of our overall revisiting of Reg and MS this plan to change the voting structure of the governing council. And for the first time, we want to include an issuer on it. And he said, oh, man, right. did we get pushback from that? Like, <laughs> you know, Schwab called you guys a bunch of, uh, you know, uninformed constituents who wouldn't know what to do on the committee and, and could not make the right decisions. And we pushed back and we said, we are firm on this. We're including them. We're including a data provider. We're including representatives of the consumers of the data and who are affected by the data. And it's an enormous, it's an enormous opportunity. So I'm on yeah. the board, you know, of our professional association. So we had a chance to put forward the guy or the head of our advocacy committee that we'd like to see in that position. But it's a major development for public companies to yes. begin to understand that the reason, so I had this, this happened this morning. I, you know, I'm the, the, uh, one of our client services team relayed to me a question from a CEO, a big public company who said, why can't people buy my stock? And I said, it's because of the two-tiered data. So long as someone can buy better data than someone else, the pursuit of your price will devolve into the smallest amount of liquidity that can be moved for an intermediary profit. And that's why. And you can say, yeah, 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 Tim. What do we need to do differently with our story? It's not your story that's the problem. The problem is that the market is geared to intermediation. And you can, you know, the high frequency traders are gonna to try to tell us that, well, it's a very efficient market and we're helping create, we're, we're offering price improvement and it's never been better and trading. I think been the market cost. needs the T word. What, the T right. word? Oh. What is that? Uh, Transparency would go away. Tim, we should talk about own IEX sucks. No, no, we're no. we're, we're uh, obviously uh, John himself. John runs market policy at IEX and has basically penned on behalf of IEX uh, many of these letters many to the, SSB in the industry. Yeah. Oh yeah, well, they, thank you. That's lovely. Yes. He's uh, a wizard. You. With we'll the have pen. you back very soon. <laughs> yeah, it's remarkable how well he writes, seeing how he speaks. Right. <laughs> I don't, I've never read an expletive in any of your, no, uh, no. your it's a, you elegant, know. Uh, he's drinking uh, bourbon from a wine glass as we speak. Let's so like, <laughs> I, I don't know if they think I'm the uncultured one. You know, I can't believe you would out me that way on this podcast. But so one other question I wanted, a serious question I wanted to ask you, Tim, is with regard to the, just the circumstances that we're all living under currently. In terms of your, the people that you talk to, obviously, I assume that um, it's possible for most people in the IR community to do most or all of their work remotely. I assume that they are. I assume that they will continue to for some period of time. Do you think that that's going to mark a sort of permanent change? Do you think people, people you talk to, do they want to, do they, do they want to get back to being able to have face-to-face -face meetings with people? What are your thoughts? 
It's a great, it's a great question. Uh, Thank you. The, the IR, the, that's a great question. Uh The IR profession is a people business. Yeah. You know, it's a relationship business. Uh, I would have, I would have flown 50,000 miles by this time in a typical year. Maybe you, you too. Uh, uh, Our profession is out globetrotting and gumshoeing our way around the various money centers. It's had a profound effect and, but yeah, it could potentially change things. What I think all of us are learning is there's a lot that can be done the way we're doing it now when we didn't believe it was possible prior to the pandemic. I, I think the, the, there's a bifurcation and it's something that you see societally and sociologically between what I would call the liberty firsters and the safety firsters. And mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of fear and then there's a lot of exasperation and desire on the, the part of the Liberty Firsters to get back out there in front of people. And it's a sort of the, you know, to, to weave in a little transparent Hegelian philosophical dialogue. Don't get a second pair of socks. No, it's, it's no, only one. Right, yeah. Drop the Y. Drop yeah. the Y. Yeah. We're, we're, we're yeah. good people, but we're cheap. <laughs> no, you're, 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 you're exactly right because when we were first working from home and doing the Zoom thing, we would have never done Zoom before. I'd be I, like, why am I going to look at you through a video? And now it's become like, secondhand nature and honestly and i think you'll agree it's much better than just doing a normal call now it is what happens when we all go back to the office or does the new norm mean that we're in rotation will people still be accepting of a zoom call will there be less travel required like tim i've seen you and i don't think we've ever seen each other in the same city right no Um, never (laughs) uh, like i i'd love to not travel so much now that i've had time off travel although i i love having my flight status but that's probably gone Hmm. right Right. But, but all, all in all, yeah, I, I do think... Plus, you know, they're just hate, handing you a it, bottle of water now. That, yeah, you know? so the best you, case. So if you and some shitty pretzels. first class to, yeah, yeah. to drink adult beverages, that's yeah. out. Yeah, so, no, uh, no, no, no more. No. What are we, animals? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, 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 it's going to be really, it's, really interesting to see what the new normal is. I mean, The Scots and the Irish, at no low point in their history, have they ever come to substituting water. Right. I mean, that's never. Well, exactly. Never that kind exactly. Of, right? And I, my background is scotch and I can tell you that it's much better for, for the most part than Irish whiskey, but we'll not. Oh, he does not know what he's talking about. Yeah, okay. Anyone <laughs> who actually has tried the two of them in a taste test will always pick mm. Irish whiskey. One mm. tastes like turpentine, scotch, mm. and one mm. tastes like the mm. peaty all right. All right. rips all right. of God's we, Okay. All right. We're, we're, we're devolving oh, now. We're, yeah, we're going straight <laughs> down. <laughs> All right, we've we've a very very important question for you that John Ramsey likes to ask. Mm. Go, John. Oh, oh you're going to give yeah. me uh, you're going to give give me the softball. So, Tim, do you have any thoughts about the your favorite movie that is based on Wall Street Wall Street themed movie? I would say The Big Short. There nice. you go. That's a good one. Yeah, I, I think, actually uh, no one has said that one yet. Is that right? That that was uh, legitimately entertaining. Even though John made a bastardization of the question, Tim. Well, I'm me. sorry. Speaking okay, it movies, wasn't as smooth but... as you might have liked. Maybe I've. Yeah. <laughs> What's your sorry. favorite Wall Street movie? Okay, all right. Question. You know, I was. Okay, trying it's to make not your it's not your question anymore. But yeah, okay. Big, Big Short right. was actually pretty fantastic, and I I remember going yeah. to see it with my wife, and I was kind of explaining because I'd read the book a couple of times, and I still found it confusing. And I said, "Listen, yeah. you might not fully understand this. I'd be very interested to see how they." how they do this in movie fashion. And I, and I think, you know, obviously she's an intelligent person. She chose me, but she enjoyed the movie. 
it's it's entertaining. And John they, is sulking. Do you see that? I can see John. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to read my facial expressions. For those kind of like listening to us, John had his podcast. two fists That's pushed into each works. side of his cheeks, pouting. Uh, All right. Okay. I'll edit that part, John. Sarah, keep it in. <laughs> any any other questions for Tim, John? <laughs> no, I think we've, we've any other really long ass questions? Yeah, no, no, Ronan. Yeah, I think we're yeah. I've never been accused of being either shy or brief. Well, you've Didn't certainly give you much time. been fun and well, you've been interesting and intelligent. And well, I do uh, have yeah. I do have one other little bit of breaking news. Yeah. So all of these uh, fifteen years of studying data and become, you know, like the wild haired scientist, we're gonna, we're gonna offer that expertise to active traders on a platform called Market Structure Edge, which launches July 1st. It's not, it's nice. like that we've got a, we've got an engineer sitting there with the finger poised over the button, just waiting for the call to hit. Wow. But, uh, so by the time this kind of podcast airs, you know, two days from now is July 1st. So that's a, that's exciting, Tim. That's it. MarketStructureEdge.com. MarketStructureEdge.com. Yeah. You heard it at first. What, 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 is. what, what is it in your quickest elevator pitch? It's a decision support platform for active traders predicated purely on market structure. So it's all, it's all rule 605, 606, the order types, Reagan MS, the, the way that those things transform behaviors and turn everything into measurable data. All stocks are somewhere on the arc of overbought to oversold. And our platform lets you know where they are. So what you should do can be informed by- So it's like a pre-trade uh, tool to inform yeah, exactly. you when- Okay, that's really yeah, interesting. When stuff that's takes, fascinating. You know, the, the beautiful thing about it, so in a, you know, in a test that we ran, we just used Amazon. So we took Amazon, we've done all kinds of data analysis, but this is a great illustration. If you just bought every uptick and sold every downtick of Amazon, you can beat the benchmark, the S&P 500 by about 65%, and you, can, and you can reduce the amount of time your money is in the market by two thirds. So from a, from a sharp ratio perspective, from a risk adjusted return ratio, it means that you have, if it's uh, you know, if it's a half a trading year, that means you have a hundred more days to use that money to do something else, and it's statistical. I'm using it and running my own little mini hedge fund at Interactive Brokers, and uh, it's been working great for me. So I hope it does. You know, we'll find nice. out. Do, do you have stuff. any uh, institutional clients signed up already? We have. We have users. We have users who just. Okay. They found us, uh, who knows how. And uh, so we, we have some users on the platform, but we'll see what happens. Are you going to give anyone a Boxes and Lions discount? <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know the way when you Absolutely. hear like Joe Rogan, it's Boxes and Lions <laughs> slash right. IR, yeah. modern IR. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'd love, to, we'd love to have Appreciate you back it. on the podcast, one, because it's been very interesting, too. I'd love to hear feedback, and maybe we could get you and one of your buy side clients on to talk about this tool. It's called Market Edge, is that correct? Market Structure Edge. Market Structure Edge. Very, yeah, very interesting. Awesome. If you Thank would, you, guys. If, you know, after this experience, if you would, you know, come back on. We were we nice to you, him, John. I, I, I'm always nice. <laughs> You're one of the nicest people on the planet, John. Thank you. There's Thank no you. question about Thank that. You. Too, too bad Ronan has corrupted you. Uh, well, try, exactly. Try him. Yeah. Yeah. He plays nice in public. I'm just, mm. I'm just who I am, honest. No, if, oh, he's doing his pout again, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to talk about what my face is doing. We'll edit on, it out. On an no, audio. We'll, 
it, podcast. All right. I love, the pandemic era, uh, uh, hair-wise, has been excellent for you, John. Mm, I like that's it. That's nice of you to say. Well, I, like I mean, it. yeah. I'm He's like, been cutting like, it himself. No, I'm not cutting. My, my husband's cutting it, which is scary enough as it, as it is. I just... You might want to consider doing good. it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might need it. That's so nasty. All right. <laughs> good use of nasty. You get a uh, pair of socks. Uh-huh. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I've already got quite a well, few. Tim, Tim, you've been a great guest. We try to keep these podcasts short enough. We really appreciate having you on. Honestly, it's been, it's been fun. And Ron and we'll, John. We'll definitely do it again. Thank very you. kind of you. Great, thank great you. hanging out with guys like you. Appreciate well, it. Thank you very much. We will definitely have you back. Best luck in all your endeavors. Over and out. Boxes and lines. Take it, John. Over and out. God Bye. bless you all. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational and educational purposes only. And IEX Group, Inc. and its affiliates do not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Nothing in this podcast constitutes a solicitation or offer to buy or sell any securities or provide any investment advice or service. Some portions of the preceding conversations may have been edited for length or clarity. Copyright IEX Group, Inc. All rights reserved.